Romans chapter 4, pick it up at verse 4, Romans chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, the natural works, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their works, but because of their faith in God who forgives sins. David also spoke of this when he described that fact of those who are declared righteousness without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose records are rolled in the greatest. Celebrated parents, and I'm so grateful that we've celebrated today. So we live a gift of amazing grace. God is bowing to life. We will never stop praising Him. We will never stop exalting Him. We will never stop looking to Him. And today we have great examples of faith that we can learn from the other side of what it looks like to be together together Genesis chapter 3, as, as it's written about what took place. This is what God spoke after man had sinned. Verse 3 says, The ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat pain. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which Saving up for retirement. Does it even sound like vacation sometimes? Because even though we love vacation, but then you come back and you've got to clean the camper and you've got to clean out the boat and you've got to wash the laundry and then you have to pay all the bills that you incurred while you're on vacation. Work is exhausting, whether you're working at work or working, spending time away. You're always working, and work is exhausting. Instead of Work giving you energy, it takes it away from you. Instead of it bringing life, it brings pain. Even when you think you enjoy your work, I believe there's always a, you'll always find a reason. Oh, I wish I could stop. I wish I could retire. I wish I could call it quits. I wish I could be doing something different. How many of you would do that? Even when you have the right tools, work 
even when you know it's a good. I remember uh, uh, when we were pulling up this carpet in our first studio here in Menard, and uh, my friend John Miller, who started it, and then when I got here, I remember uh, the uh, carpet guys came. And what they were doing when they were pulling the carpet, we knew we had to make some grips. Like, okay, we can't walk around making grips and pull. But then when the carpet guy said, hey, I want to help you out, I want to show you what you do, and he showed us how to make slits in the corner of those things so that you can have your hands and you can grip it, and then you can pull. And we're like, oh, man, this is fun after the first stripper. And then the second stripper was like, oh, man, this is worse again. Oh, man, this was easier, but it's still worse. Even when you have the right tools, even when you have the right information, work is still exhausting. Even if you have the right guy, I remember uh, when uh, I called Barack and they, they moved in the house and they wanted to get a box truck and a kitchen and he said, Tony, come and, and, and do that as, as the side business. And so he came over and I said, you know, we also have a, a you know, exhaust fan with the chimney. We already can walk around the microwave up there, but we want to put this exhaust fan up. Could you help us do that? Because the box said it was easy. And so I said, Phil, could we do this? Could we get it done and this, that, and the other? Sure. And the instruction said, so the chimney part of it were these two pieces, so it could fit any any uh, picture. So you just move the pieces in and out to fit your length of picture. Well, we got it. And so uh, he starts putting it to work. He starts putting the, the hooks up and the, the brackets up. And we're trying to move. Well, he's trying to move this thing. I'm making sure he has the right tools. And it is not moving. It is not going anywhere. We use oil. We use we used it all. It was not working. He took a break. Phil said, let me take a break. He went back at it, and he, and he was still doing it. And after about an hour of trying to take a break and trying again, I began to think to myself, this is not going anywhere. This is not going to work. Because if Phil Ackman, who makes, who built, used to build houses blindfolded, cannot put this exhaust fan up, this thing is not going up. Even when you have the right guy, work can be exhausting, can it not? Even when you read and, and have looked at all the videos and you think you know what you're doing, work is still exhausting. And when you have learned, I'm sure you've learned this in life, work doesn't go away. Work is never ending. It never ends. It's exhausting and it never ends. Uh, it's like vacuuming. I, my wife is a great cleaner. wasn't the cleanest person, but when I met Sarah, I became a clean person, and I'm grateful that she learned that from her mother. And so we cleaned our house once a week, which meant we vacuumed once a week, and as needed, that's what we did. Every week, we re-cleaned the house. And Sarah got comfortable with vacuuming over to our house one day in Utah, and he ruined my life. He came in, and he said, you know, you're supposed to vacuum as many times as there's that she was only vacuuming once a week. She couldn't believe it. She lost it. She said, I should have been vacuuming the house. We should have been vacuuming the house three times a week. Can you believe that, John? That you should be vacuuming as many people are in your house. That's how many times you should be vacuuming. You ruined my life. Work is never ending. 
this way, now there are some good parts of this, right? There's some satisfaction. We've read the scripture verse. There's some earnings to the work that we do. There's some things we get out of work. I, I still love looking back after mowing the lawn. I still love looking back and looking at the lawn like, man, that looks good. I can't wait to cut this stuff. You know, Cheryl and I, every time I look up there, I think about Cheryl because the end of the story is she did give it up for me. Yes. When she needed to die to get the job done, Cheryl was the guy that it was a real tough job until the judge was up there. All right? It was an easy job until the judge was up there. But I look up at that exhaust there, and I, I seriously do. I, I think so many times, like, man, I can't believe he finally got that up there. But even after all of that, even after recognizing that work can get awards, that there's some positive aspects of work, you have to recognize that that actually can be bad. Because work can create an ungodly pride in your life. Sometimes we don't just sit back and think, oh, wow, that was a good job. But we can have an ungodly pride to our life. We can begin to think, I made that happen. I figured it out. I worked my way out of the problem. I solved that solution. I, I made it happen. And you feel good about yourself. And this was the problem that the Israelites were dealing with in Romans chapter 4 and had been dealing with for thousands of years because God had given them the law. And the law was good. It was, the law was a teacher. The law was supposed to bring them to God. But the law had a lot to do with work and what they needed to accomplish to come to God. And instead of the Israelites thinking to themselves, ah, I can work. I can bring a sacrifice. I can work my fields and bring an offering to God, and God's going to receive me. They should have been humble. They should have been grateful. But they weren't humble. They weren't grateful. They started developing a pride in their heart. They began to think, wow, I work the fields, and look, God has received my offering, and now I'm in God's presence because of the work I did. God has forgiven me of my sins because of what I've done. God has wiped my sins away. I know I've been rude this week to my family, but I've, I've taken care of sheep, and now I'm bringing a sheep to God, and God's forgiven me. I'm so good. I'm, I'm righteous. And they started developing an unhealthy, self-righteous attitude because of the work that they were doing to be accepted by God. Oh, man, I've come to church. I've read my Bible this week. God, I've, you know, I deserve blessings now. I deserve your promises now. I deserve protection now. I deserve these things in my life. And they were recognizing this, this reality that work sometimes when we start earning things from work, we, we start developing, which we talked about before, entitlement. We start feeling entitled. Like, I've worked overtime at my job. Now I have the right to complain. I made dinner. Now I can tell my spouse how I really feel. I vacuumed, every, I vacuumed 12 times this week. Now I deserve, I'm entitled to some righteousness. I'm entitled to this. And work gives us that false sense of hope. And instead of the Israelites being humbled, they were filled with pride. So work is bad because it's exhausting. Work is bad because it's never-ending. And work can be bad because it can develop a spiritual pride, a, 
an ungodly pride in our lives because we feel like we haven't I just have arrived. I've made my business. I've made I made the deal. I've made it happen. I have pride. And we develop this pride in our life. And then when it's all said and done, what does Paul say? After all your work, after all your skill, after all your hard labor, after all your sweat and tears and blood, and after all of all that you've done to figure out life, and after all the things that you've accomplished, guess what your re- ultimate reward is on this day? You get to go back to return. From earth we came and from earth we will return. But before we keep going through the bad news, what is the good news? What is the good news? First uh, five says, Paul said in verse 5, people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith. This morning, here is the good news. The good news is the one thing that you needed in your life, the one thing that matters the most in this life isn't getting a paycheck. The most important thing in life is not going on vacation. The most important thing that you should be concerned about is not your retirement. The one thing you shouldn't wake up thinking about is the economy. The one thing that you should be worried about is coming back into the presence of God, is coming to know Him and love Him and serve Him. The one thing that should be on your mind is, is am I in right standing with God? Can I come into God's presence? And Paul says that it is not anything that you can work for. It's something that God has given to you. You can't work for it. But God has given to you. It's a gift that God gives to you. It's a gift of righteousness that Jesus Christ gives to you because you believe in it and that you don't have to work for it. Coming into God's presence, coming into His goodness and His mercy, understanding who He is. Look at verse 8. It says, yes, what joy for those who record, whose record the Lord has heard of service. That's the one thing you should be worried about today. Not that your debts are paid. Not that your problems are gone. But that your sins are cleared. And your, your sins being cleared have nothing to do with you working. There's no amount of effort that you could do to remove your sins. There's no amount of work or elbow grease or soap or detergent that you could work into your sins to get rid of them. There's nothing you can do. But Jesus, Jesus Our Lord and Savior, as we shared earlier, He is the one that saw our sin, that saw our problem, that saw our shortcoming, and He knew that nothing we would ever do would remove our sins, and He said, I will come and work for you. I will come and remove your sins for you. I will come and I'll get the shovel and I'll get the rake and I'll get the bag of garbage and I'll come and I will clear the way for you. This morning, only the work of Jesus can save you. It's what's implied throughout the Word of God, and you need to know that this morning. Only the work of Jesus can save you. Only the work of Jesus can heal you. Only His work can save you. It's only His work. Only the things that He's done for us that can save us. And I pray this morning that you'll come. I pray this morning that you stand before God and you recognize that you've made a mess and there's nothing you can do to clean it up. 
There's nothing you can do to fix it. There's nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing that you can do to go back in time and redo it. But Jesus said that if you come and you believe and you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that I am Lord, that you will be saved and that anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, I will make all things new. Every wrong that you make, he'll make a right. Everything that you turn from good to bad, Jesus will come and turn it from bad to good. Every problem that you created, Jesus offers a solution for it. Every pain that you brought to this world, Jesus will turn it into a joy. He'll give purpose behind it. He'll give you direction for it. He'll use it. That's what Jesus does because of the work he's done. I hope this morning that you're humbled by it. Now, here's the problem. As you, as you hopefully heard me read to you, it says that you'll eat the grain. That's from Genesis chapter 2. God said it's going to be a mixture. You're going to sweat. You're going to bleed. It's going to be, you're going to be scratching for a living. You're going to work hard, but you're going to eat the grain. And this is our problem in life, is that we settle for the grain. We settle for the grain. We settle for those things because it gives us pleasure. We settle for money because we do find some temporary satisfaction. We settle for validation from our job because, yes, at the end of the day, when you see your name on the door, you see your name at the desk, and it says, and you're some validation for your job. But all of that is temporary. All of that is second-class What did Jesus declare? Jesus declared that I am the bread of life. I'm bread. I'm nourishment. I'm fulfilling. I'm perfection. I'm all that you'll ever need. I'm all that you'll ever want. You will never face frustration when you're in the presence of God. You may have to deal with it, but you'll never be overcome by it. You may have struggles in life, but you'll find purpose in it when you take the bread of life. And I'm telling you today, I'd rather have bread than grain. I'd rather have the presence of Jesus than satisfaction in this world. I'd rather know peace, joy, love, and harmony in the presence of God than ever being fully satisfied in a great mansion with a pool and vacations, all that I want on this earth. I'd rather have the bread of Jesus Christ than the grains that I can work for. We settle for the grains because all around us, all around this world today, you know what they're working for? They're working for grain. You know what they're fighting for? They're fighting for grain. You know what they're, they're striving for, what they're scratching for. Everybody's scratching for grain. But you know what they're fighting for? Jesus comes and says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the ready for this world. You don't have to work. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to worry. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to figure this out. I'm bread. I'm coming out of the oven already. I'm already done. You don't have to do anything. You just have to receive me. And if that doesn't cause you to want to praise the Lord like you deserve, Jesus has given us eternal life. So we're no longer bound to the curses of work. We're no longer bound to the curses we've brought upon ourselves. We're no longer bound to the curses that we were raised out of Adam. We're no longer bound to sin or evil. Because God Husband, 
and hit record. Things are going to happen that are not bound to this life. Because I've protected my children with the blood of life. I've told them of Jesus Christ, that he is to transform my life. And whatever negative things happen to me, whatever bad things happen to me, you give my father glory. And I know I haven't earned it. And I don't live my life as though I have earned it, but I ask him to show me that he is my father. And obviously when Terry and I found out the news of breast cancer, it was an easy thing. We knew we were going to praise God. We knew we were going to serve God. We knew we were going to live for the Lord. We knew we were going to worship God. We knew we weren't going to complain. We knew none of those things. Everything was falling in place. God, I can't trust you with anything. Next thing you know, they said, your surgery is on July 12th and 13th. And I said, this is it. I praise God. It works it all out. Well, I'm going to have to wait just a month and a half from hearing the news to surgery. We decided to praise him. We decided to give him thanks. so disappointed, disappointing for her. Of course, it was disappointing for me, but she was disappointed, and we had the mindset that things have to happen now. Oh, it's the perfect time. Thank you, God. We're going we're gonna to tackle this now. We're going to start this diet. And then we just got thought that we had earned it. Oh, God, we, we, were, we were giving you thanks when the news came. The news came and we were in a service and we started worshiping you. Therefore, we are entitled to the best possible option. If this is going to happen, then this is what, how it's going to happen. And it started happening that way. And so God got something out of that. We still didn't feel thankful. Because we were never entitled. We never thought we earned it. And that's the problem. We come to God and we feel like we've earned it. We deserve it. We, we were entitled to it. This plays out in all of our relationships and it plays out in every life and every part of our life. We walk around, we feel like we're entitled. We feel like we've earned it. God, it's my fault. I've earned it. I'm an American. I've earned rights. I can complain. I can file a claim. I can take you to court. I can get the lawyer. This is my right. I've earned it. So is Jesus. Jesus said, you earn nothing because you can't give it. I'm going to see you again. I'm going to give you salvation. I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm going to give you eternity in heaven. I'm going to give you my blessings. I'm going to give you my promises. I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to give you my presence. I'm going to give you all of this, and it's nothing you could work for. And what does that mean? Well, first of all, this morning, it means only Jesus is worthy of all praise. All praise to Our Hail, our Lord and our Savior, who gives to us everything. Here's another application because this is what happens. When you come across a problem in life, what is your natural response? Go to work. Go figure it out. Go to work on it. Go to the foot of the cross. Lord, I've got it. There's a problem I've got to work for. This is what I've learned over the years. When I find a problem in my life, the first thing I need to do is 
not, our nature is not to let other people figure it out. We've got to figure it out. And I know there's lazy people out there that like to self, uh, self invested their life. But I, be, I believe everybody here in this room, that's not you. You're ready to work on your pride. You're ready to work on your situation. And we're wired that way. Because when we work, when we figure out the problem, guess what? We've earned something. I've earned the badge. I've earned the right to complain. I've earned the right to, to have control. When I do something for you, guess what? You then owe me something. If I help you, then you need to help me later. I like that control. I like working. I like helping people move because I know one day I'm going to need to move. And then I can call them up and say, hey, remember when I helped you move? I need help now. That's how life works. We like working. We like working. Why? Because it gives us money. Not just literal money. It gives us figurative money. I like serving. I like doing things for you. Because then when we're hurting, we're going to get something There's nothing you can do to make it into heaven. There's nothing. You can stay in this church building reading your Bible from the top of your day and from here for the rest of your life and still get to heaven. Just look for that passage in Ephesians that should cause you to praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, and all that's within me. It should cause you to raise your hands, and I don't care who's watching. It should cause you to shout his name out, and I don't care who's listening to me. Because I know you know how to shout. I know you know how to raise your hands. I know you know how to dance. I know you know how to do all those things. So surely for God Almighty, you can thank him. You can praise him. You can worship him. Because he is worthy of all praise. Because he has forgiven you as you haven't worked one minute for him. There's no amount of exhaustion you can do. There's no amount of doing it over and over again in consistency. Jesus is worthy. And all the work is finished. So I hope you're ready to praise him and worship him and love him. And that's the point. So when life is hard, when life is difficult, guess what? I know it's my opportunity to praise God. Why was Job able to say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away? Blessed be the name of the Lord as I praise him. Why was Paul able to go to prison and sing songs of praise to God? Because he would never be condemned. He just knew he had received from the Lord. I've received eternal life from God. I've received salvation. I've received the forgiveness of my sins. So whenever life is difficult, I know it's my opportunity to praise God. It's my opportunity to worship My praise this morning has nothing to do with how good life is. My the depth of my praise is knowing how good God is. I recognize how good He is. My life, there's a lot of struggles. I can write them all out. Instead of that today, I'm going to write out how good God is. There's depth to that. There's peace in that. There's strength in that. There's life in that. There is a light in that. And it directs people to God. It directs people to hope. Before people are hurting other people. They have no hope. Because life is hard. Life is difficult. Bad things do happen. But 
point I'll give to you. What does it mean? Just because Jesus has done everything for us, what does that mean? I shared this thought with you before. It simply means we do not work for salvation. We work because of salvation. I'm not working to be given something to serve. I'm not preaching to you because I want God to hear me. I'm not here today trying to do something so I get something from God. I am here today because God has brought me and because I've known his presence, because I've heard his voice calling me for ministry. And I said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Yes, Lord, I will serve you. Yes, Lord, I, I know that you called me and you, you created me and you've given me abilities and you've given me skills and you've given me breath and I will praise you with that breath. I am here today not to get anything but to give everything to my best ability. I'm not here trying to work for salvation. I'm here working because of salvation. And that makes a world of difference in every relationship that we have. Are you working to get something? Are you working to get Three times. Well, I got you three times, so I can go now, right? Right? I've earned it. I deserve it. And it's a big difference when we live our relationships from the standpoint of salvation. I'm going to get something. I'm going to do something to get to get something from you. Instead, God calls us to live because of salvation. All right, I'm going to vacuum three times this week because I'm going to pray. I'm going to vacuum three times this week because I'm praying that the weather will get worse and worse and get worse and worse and worse. I don't know. I'm working because he loves me. I'm working already because of something. I'm not trying to get something. Will you live that way? Will you live in that freedom? You want to have freedom at work? Live that way. Live because of something, not because you're trying to get something. If you're working to get a check, you will be disappointed. You'll be frustrated. You'll be disappointed. You won't be energized. Two weeks, teachers, you'll be ready for some of the things, right? If you're working to get a check, if you're working just to retire, the school system, they got those records. I'm just going to work, do my time. You know, you're working to get something instead of working because of something. I get to work because I get to, I get to be a mentor. I get to earn a living so that I can I can be a blessing to missionaries around the world. I get to work to earn a check so that I can write a check to the church and we can see that money go to missions. I can I can work so that I can be a blessing. I'm not trying to get your money. I never have, never will. But I want you to understand that I am working because of something. I give because God has given to me. And that's the best way to live life. So are you working to get something or are you working the blood of Christ. We invite the Lamb to come. We look to worship the Lord. He is worthy of all praise. He is worthy of all adoration. He is worthy.
I serve God because I have received that promise. And when bad things happen to me, it's not God that did it. It's on the plate and all the hypocrites. I used to call this when I was a youth pastor, I used to call it hypocritical warfare. See, the enemy comes after you and he wants to discourage you, he wants to put you down, he, he wants you to get mad at God after the doctor's doctor's office says, oh, we've got to move the surgery. You have, you have to sit and worry for three more weeks. Just when you thought you were going to take on this problem, now you have to sit and think about three more weeks. The enemy comes, and he wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to get down. He doesn't want you to serve God. He doesn't want you to have joy. That's why I said that's my problem. That's my problem. You're giving me a reason to praise God. You're giving me a reason to worship Him. You're giving me a reason to thank Him. You're giving me a reason to say with Job said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You better believe it was, you know, a moment just soaking in the presence of God as I'm worshiping the Lord next to my wife. Loving little twin standing next to me. You better believe I was enjoying that. in our difficulties. We can love the Lord our God no matter what we face because we have received that abundance. Would you stand this morning? Would you receive His presence? Would you receive? There's nothing you can do to work it. All you have to do is just receive. As the worship team sings this song, just receive the presence of God. Receive His goodness. Receive His grace. You don't deserve it. But He's given it to you today. He's pouring it out in your life. Receive it. Receive it.